After recognizing the public health perspective was missing from the world of entrepreneurship and innovation, our next guest is passionately leveraging his medical expertise to help entrepreneurs make a positive impact on the healthcare industry. Dr. Beirouz Baybot, CEO of The Entrepreneur's Doctor, joins us to discuss how he's mentoring entrepreneurs from non-healthcare backgrounds to navigate the clinical sector and dive deeper into tackling the underlying causes affecting our health across all sectors of society. Additionally, Dr. Baybot shares highlights from his book, Startup Therapy, which gives his clients a roadmap to transform their passion into a startup to improve societal health and well-being. Join us for this enlightening conversation to discover how Dr. Baybot and his team are helping startup businesses reshape the framework of public health care for a healthier and happier world. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Beruz, welcome to our podcast. It's so great to meet up with you today. Mike, it's such a pleasure. Well, because of your trained expertise as a specialist in preventative medicine and public health, with over 20 years of international experience across direct patient care, wider public health service, policy, industry, media, research, education, and training, and your passion to help entrepreneurs impact the healthcare industry, I am fired up for this conversation today. But before we dive in, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Beirouz. It's almost time for our community to learn how you, as the entrepreneur's doctor, are helping entrepreneurs create a healthier, happier world. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? Mike, I really appreciate this question. And it all boils down to this. You know, as entrepreneurs, we get into this for various reasons. And those of us who get into the health sector are very purpose-driven, very mission-driven And most of the time when I work with entrepreneurs, it's because of a personal experience, either our own health or a loved one that we've seen go through pain. And so often we start with a problem, which is a good thing, because many people complain that don't go in with a solution looking for a problem. However, there's one thing I want to add, and this is my kind of tip to anyone listening to this, which is don't just go in with a problem. Go in and actually understand the needs of your audience, whoever they may be and rank what their problems are and where the problem you thought you had experienced and seen actually ranks in everything else. So it's this kind of public health systems thinking approach and doing a formal needs assessment alongside your business kind of research market needs assessment. That's my only tip. And if you want to learn more, I'm happy to speak with people. Well, we're going to talk a lot more about it and what you've been doing with the entrepreneur's doctor and all of the good things that are happening in the marketplace with your leadership. But back to this one, Beirut, I think you're spot on, right? A lot of entrepreneurs, they're eager to build, they're fired up, they're very excited, they're passionate to start building right away. I get it. I totally understand it. But that is a very 
important aspect of the journey, right? Understanding the problem. But I also like how you mentioned ranking it and understanding what that looks like as well. Did you apply some of that methodology and what you did as a practitioner as well? Absolutely. You know, this is our bread and butter as public health physicians or uh, preventive medicine doctors. Our training is essentially, it's the specialty within health actually in medicine that no one knows about, which is the interesting thing. But of the various things that we do, it's our bread and butter to understand and assess the needs of a community, of a population, however big or small that may be. And then we use this methodology called a health needs assessment. It sounds simple, but it essentially assesses what are the needs of your community. You go out and speak with those people, that community, the practitioners, all the systems, stakeholders essentially in that system, assess those needs in a systematic way. And then you use various other kind of tools and tricks to come up with evidence-based tools, interventions to solve those problems. So I felt like that voice of public health is missing from the world of innovation and entrepreneurship. And we'll talk about this. That's what I felt I need to bring and extend beyond within the healthcare sector or the public health sector. We know we talk this language daily, but innovators and entrepreneurs who really want to impact change, I feel like they need to hear this too. Well, I'm so excited to have a little bit of time with The Voice, the entrepreneur's doctor, to talk about how it all came to be, why this is important. You set the stage perfectly for this. We have a lot to dig into after we get back from thinking Our Community Champion Sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting-edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus, or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Beirut Baybot, CEO, the entrepreneur's doctor. Well, we had so much to discuss on the front of this, Beirut, that you teed it up perfectly with what you have been doing. I want to hear a little bit more of that journey of how the entrepreneur's doctor even came to be in the first place. You kind of teed us up on the front end of needing that perspective, our entrepreneurs, our innovators needing that, that was lacking. And like you said, you know, sometimes it's good to go and solve the needs out in the marketplace. This is one of them that you're doing with the entrepreneurs. Doctor, we're also going to talk a little bit about your new book. A lot of exciting things there. And of course, where you see things heading, the world of healthcare and the world of innovation have collided. They are coming together. You're starting to see a lot of investment. You're starting to see a lot of companies being created around reimagining healthcare, reimagining what it looks like to deliver it, et cetera. We're going to talk all about that, where you see things heading with your work with the entrepreneur's doctor, of course, and then where we can be helping you out. And then we're going to ask you that fill in the blank at the end of why you are so passionate. But for now, Bayrus, take us back a bit. How did all this come together in the first place? Give us a little bit of the journey. When did you start thinking about launching this? Give us a little bit of that understanding of how this came to be in the first place. Appreciate it, Mike. 
I often don't like talking about myself, but I'll get this out of the way so we can get to the juicy stuff, right? But essentially, it's about 10 or so years ago, I was in Boston, where you were just recently doing my doctoral studies. And we, training in public health, whether it's in research or practice, we kind of work with different parts of the health sector to get the job done. And the way we were trained is either do some research, gather the evidence, and then publish an article in a journal, right? Or if you're in practice, you, as I said before, you assess the needs of a community and come up with solutions. But it's always been kind of this internal view, like inner look into the world of health and care. And one thing that triggered me, this was now going back a little bit, which was the seed, I would say, is I was in Cyprus doing a master's degree right before coming to Boston. And it was in collaboration with Harvard School of Public Health. And one of the professors that came, who was actually joint with MIT, Nick Ashford, he set the seed, who said, if you really want to make an impact on health, and we're talking about all things health, not just healthcare, if you really want to make an impact as a public health professional, learn these tricks, learn these tools, and apply them outside of the traditional healthcare sector. So that planted a seed. Fast forward again to Boston, and I was seeing students, classmates, and I was like a teaching assistant, a TA to pay for my bills. And I would see some of the students doing some cool stuff, innovation, entrepreneurship. And I had no idea that this was an outlet of getting the job done too. Then I moved to the CDC and I was still really strict about doing a public health career, but I'll keep this short. Nothing triggered me or urged me to want to actually get into this and step foot into this until that maybe a few years ago when my dad got sick. He got terminal cancer and it made me reassess my personal life. I still didn't take action. Then it came to the pandemic. I experienced burnout and I again had to reassess my life. And maybe it's a midlife crisis. Who knows, right? But it was right at the point where I'm thinking, look, this has been brewing up. I want this outlet. So far, I've been intrapreneurial, but that's some of the problem that I see, which is we don't get enough time to exercise that intrapreneurial drive when we want to. I needed to design my life in a way that I could carry on my clinical duties, which I still do, but alongside that have allocated time for the kind of passion that I have for the entrepreneur's doctor. That's personal. Can I briefly just elaborate on the more non-personal side of this too, Mike? Beirut, this is your episode. You get to do what you you like, so let it rip, my friend. (laughs) I appreciate it, Mike. This is really a pleasure. Look, that was personal. And it always, as entrepreneurs, we have a personal drive, but there's also a wider issue of we've seen a problem. And again, going back to what we said at the top of the show, which is I felt like this public health voice is really missing from the world of innovation and entrepreneurship, from conferences to interviews on the podcast that I've had. And I thought, okay, how can I get this voice out there, building on what my professor said from MIT a long time ago? And I thought, this is the only way I can do it. Kind of like following in your footsteps, launch a podcast, just get the conversation going. And then the spinoffs are fantastic, honestly. Like the conversations you have, the people that you meet, and then helping them get this perspective shift that they need. I don't call it public health, by the way. I just call it startup therapy help them, give them this perspective shift that they need that not only helps add value to the health and well-being, which is the ultimate goal, but it also gives tools and tips and tricks to be able to improve your chance of adoption in the health sector. And I'll stop there. And Beers, you mentioned Startup Therapy. That's the name of your new book. Before we proceed, maybe you can talk a little bit about the book. 
We're going to dive back into, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you your elevator pitch because I know you coach up a lot of entrepreneurs for them to perfect theirs. I'm going to reverse the script and ask you to give yours about what the entrepreneur's doctor is. But before that, let's talk about startup therapy. You mentioned it. What's going on there? What's going on with the book? I know all the proceeds are going to charity. Why is that? Let's dive into the book for just a moment, please. Yeah, no worries, Mike. Briefly, why is it going to charity? Again, it goes back to seeing my dad go through terminal cancer. And I felt like I need to be doing something that gives back, not to just his memory, but I've got friends, family who've really had a tough time. We all know someone, right, that goes through cancer, unfortunately. How can we add value by killing two birds with one stone? Both spread the word of public health and prevention in the world of innovation and entrepreneurship, help entrepreneurs make an impact through this approach, but also raise some of the money for charity. It's small thing that I can do. And hopefully there'll be bigger things I can do down the line. So what's the top level byline of the book? What's going on in it? I started off by doing a masterclass to begin with, but I felt like instead of putting a free thing out there, this needs to be in the hands of everyone and raise money for charity. But the essence of it goes back to that public health approach. Again, I don't call it a public health approach, but it's teaching entrepreneurs how to do this health needs assessment in a systematic way and overcome some of the challenges that they're going to face when it comes to barriers to adoption, other things like scale, actually convincing the health sector that the solution you have is actually what they need. And we will share more towards the back end of where people can find the book. So we'll leave that as a teaser towards the back end. We'll direct the community and the audience to go and find and and grab their copy of the book. So thank you for that, Beerus. Now let's turn our focus again. Elevator pitch time. You're on the virtual stage, my friend. Time to give us that elevator pitch. What is The Entrepreneur's Doctor? I appreciate it. Look, my mission really is to help improve population health. That is, in essence, I'm still practicing public health as The Entrepreneur's Doctor. And the vision really is to do that in a formal, systematic way. Let's stop focusing on healthcare. I'm in healthcare. My startup is in healthcare. I advise startups in healthcare. But let's focus on what really determines health. 80 to 90% of health is outside of clinical care. It's in the homes that we live. It's in the communities that we live in. It's the social determinants of health. It's the environmental determinants of health. We're going to go through some challenges as we go into the next couple of decades. You know that. I know that. So let's focus our attention on these things. But also building on that, I help as the entrepreneur's doctor, not only with the tactical things, but reassess and refocus attention, not just on the solutions, but also what time should we be implementing these solutions? Often our focus is on when people get a diagnosis or immediately before, how can we improve their clinical risk factors? But often taking this public health approach, we've got to take a life course perspective. Often many of the risk factors have underlying determinants that not only are they outside of healthcare, but they're early in life. They're in even preconception, even before mom and dad conceived us. So we've got to think about that life course. And the final thing that I would say is, as the entrepreneur's doctor, I help and advise startups to think about the intersectoral approach. If you want to create a solution, really assess the problem, really understand it from a systems perspective, Mike. And then when you're coming up with solutions, again, don't just think, I'm to blame here, by the way, as well, Mike. I'm not trying to pontificate, but come up with solutions that really target solutions in 
all these sectors that impact health, whether it's education, the media, agriculture, food, transport, energy, and so on. You are based over in the UK, but I know you're very familiar with the American system as well. And you serve here and advise and work with innovators stateside. And I think it's just a natural byproduct of people trying to build businesses is at least here in the United States, a lot of startups that I see, and I'm sure it's the same for you, they're focusing in on the reactionary care, right? Something happened. So therefore my solution is going to help fix whatever that something was. To your point, Beirut, let's talk about it a bit. If I'm an entrepreneur, I'm trying to do good and do well, right? I'm trying to build something that's going to create a better world for whatever I'm trying to solve for. But then of course, create a viable and healthy and strong business as well. So with that, is there strong opportunity with this world that you just described, right? When you start thinking public health, start thinking working with members or consumers earlier on in life, is there business opportunity within that? 100%. And while you want to kind of take the system's perspective, it's often easy to get distracted too. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to be very specific with what is the problem? What is the solution? But it's just setting that in a context of understanding all the players, all the levers and how you can impact that change. So I would say the business opportunity really depends on who is it you want to serve. You know this. What's the problem you want to solve and what's the best way or ways to solve that? How can you collaborate with other startups who might be able to really form a synergistic relationship to make change happen? But here's what I would suggest. If we're coming up with solutions, I don't want to tell any, and this is the way I work with startups. I don't give them the answers. It's kind of this like coaching approach, this mentoring approach. I just shine the light on areas that they may not have necessarily thought about. There's tons of opportunities when it comes to improvements in education and energy, green energy, or, you know, these sustainable practices. But at the end of the day, one message that I want to get across for even those of us who are thinking about healthcare is just like in any other business, we talk about what is the best way to improve outcomes and improve customer experience. And that's often by focusing on your number one customer, which is your workforce, your employees, if your staff, your clinicians, the admin staff, all of these are happy, then you can improve patient outcomes without a shadow of a doubt. Here's the challenge. We've just gone through tremendous pain and grief worldwide with the pandemic. Everyone's facing burnout. A lot of people are facing burnout. And this goes beyond healthcare. But these challenges have been there even before the pandemic, right? So this has just got worse. So if we can create solutions as startups that actually improve the lives of the workforce, not just better diagnosis and safer outcomes and all that kind of stuff, focus on the workforce. That's going to improve your chances of getting adopted because they're the ones who are going to really take things on. And you're in turn going to impact change on the health outcomes you're looking to change. I love it. I love it. Absolutely. And to your point, right, the pandemic, a lot of the things that we're experiencing in regards to the pain points of the industry, those were already there and underlying. And the pandemic just completely shined a light on it and completely exposed it for what it is. But now is the time for us to truly go and solve for it. So I love exactly the message you're sharing and how we can go about it. Also, Beirut, we hear the word startup a lot in this industry, right? You and I, we work with a lot and we're very fortunate to mentor, advise and be in that community. But startup is a big word. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to your practice with the entrepreneur's doctors? Are they just getting going? Is it just coming off that proverbial napkin? Is it a well-funded startup? Or does it not matter? What does the term startup mean to you and your camp? I work with anyone from early, very early stage 
individuals who are even thinking about solving a problem, helping them figure out, is it better to stay as an entrepreneur in an organization or indeed go out and step foot into the unknown venture world of startups? But it goes all the way through to scale-ups too. There's something in there that I can help anyone, I would say. But really, the way I want to do it is, again, this is a public health approach, which we call, I won't go nerdy on you, Mike, but essentially it's trying to help everyone to a certain extent. And for those who then have the funding, they can come and work with me more concretely on specific things. But that's not my goal. My goal is really to do a train-the-trainer model. I would love many other people out there who are working either in or advising startups to take this approach, this public health approach. And I want nothing back from that. I would just love to spread the message of public health into the world of innovation and entrepreneurship. And you also talk about intrapreneurship. I think that is starting to be a big growth segment within the industry and something I'm personally a huge fan of. I think a lot of people automatically discredit themselves to be able to create new game-changing process, technology systems, whatever it might be. And especially, hey, I work for a large system. I can never go and do that. But I also think you're starting to see C-suite, CXO type leaders of large institutions to start promoting this notion of entrepreneurship. Are you starting to see that as well, Beirut? And how important is that to the innovation economy? It's critical. It's critical. Every organization, look, your startup eventually will become a huge organization, hopefully will become an organization that needs to remain on the edge and innovative. Otherwise, you're going to lose it, right? So you've got to keep that startup mentality within your organization as it grows. Everything started as a startup in some shape or form. You know, Mike, before I jumped into this world of entrepreneurship, as I said, I saw myself more as an entrepreneur. And one thing that I did, which really resonates and sticks with me every day, is immediately before the pandemic, I was within my organization. It's a public sector organization. And I said, look, there is so much energy, so much potential here from people amongst our staff, from all the way from the exec through to the cleaners, the maintenance, everyone. And they see the problems on the ground. They're on the front line. So let's just create this environment where we can gamify it a little bit, make a little bit of a competition, bring them together like a bit of a shark tank kind of approach. But meanwhile, give the opportunity for those who are a little bit less extroverted to do this on the side without entering the composition. And we just said, look, share your pain, share your problems. If you've got thoughts about solutions, come up with those too, but at least share the problems and let's share it with the rest of the team so we can find solutions. And what I found, and this is really important for any intro as well as entrepreneur, the thing that surprised me, but actually I shouldn't have been surprised, is the best ideas were actually non-tech, non-AI. It was just simple changes of ways of working. And I'll give you one example, which was hilarious to me for a millisecond, but it made such a big change. It was literally, can we just move the tables a little bit to this side? That's all you need. And as entrepreneurs going into the health and healthcare sector, we're all over, let's get AI here, let's get wearables, let's get interoperability. It's these simple changes that make the biggest impact. I saw a local hospital here in Denver where I reside. To your point, they had an internal shark tank event for their hospital employees. And somebody came up with a new way for clinicians that are scrubbing into the OR suite, if you will, a new way of washing hands and making sure they do it appropriately. 
they gamified it a bit. There was no real hardcore AI technology, everything that you just described. It was just a different way to look at hand washing. They implemented it. They won the prize for the Shark Tank event and their infection rates did fell off the table. But you think about even the financial impact of that. What does that mean? Then you think about what does that mean for patients and their health afterwards? What a powerful example to your point no real big savvy piece of technology was involved in that at all, but it made a massive impact across their surgical enterprise. I want to come back on that, Mike. You and I love AI, right? Artificial intelligence. So I mean, I work for Olive. We're uh, one right, of the top, right. top AI companies in the United States. So I, I'm kind of all in. Right, exactly. And likewise, what I'm about to launch is along those lines in terms of AI. We're not going to be competitors. We're friends. And I'll tell you why later. Oh, no, we love competitors, actually, with our platform. <laughs> we are actually inviting competitors. Come build on top of all of them. I love it. We love need it. everybody. So yeah, anyway, carry on, yeah. my friend. To that point, I just wanted to share, it's using AI, just as Olive does, to automate those things that can be automated to free up the thinking capacity, the time to allow these tremendous workforce in the health sector anywhere in the world to actually be able to do those mini things that are non-technical that make such a big impact. If we can't take that time and free up that time through automation, then they're just going to be burnt out with bureaucracy. I couldn't agree more. We actually say that at all of is that our mission here is to create the internet of healthcare and be the leading automation company to unleash the human potential that resides within this industry. And we have amazing amazing leaders that work throughout healthcare, all aspects of it. It is our job and our mission to unleash that human potential. So you and I are very well aligned on that. Well, let's also talk a little bit, let's uh, switch gears a bit. Let's talk a little future state, right? So things are going to continue to change rapidly. We're seeing it month over month. (laughs) Things are being disrupted. Things are being innovated. We're looking at new ways of doing things. A lot of it too is because we have to now, right? We talked about it earlier. The pandemic really exposed a lot of the inequities, the inefficiencies, the brokenness of the industry itself. But therein lies the opportunity, right? And so from what you've seen as an expert and a practitioner, as well as what you're doing with the entrepreneur's doctor and the teams and the entrepreneurs you get to work with, where do you see things heading in the near term? Because I can't even think long-term, like five years, what does that even mean? What does it look like for the next 18 to 24, 36 months for you and everything that you're helping lead? I want to be as modest as I can here because really I don't see myself as the person who, and I'll share my vision in a moment, Mike, but I don't want to see myself as the person that necessarily tells the entire sector, this is where we should be heading. I would rather give them the framework, the tools that helps them assess what the local needs are by working with those people on the ground, working with the community, with the patients, the providers, and so on. That's how we can impact change. It's local needs and local solutions. However, let's share best practice and share experiences amongst each other. But to that point, let me summarize, again, making that public health approach a little bit more tangible for our audience, if I may. The way we work in public health is, I would say, three main areas, three main pillars, if you like. The one that most people think about is, oh, let's eat an apple a day, let's move more, let's sleep more, let's prevent a heart attack in the first place, right? And we call that primary prevention. That's fine. But there's no problem as an entrepreneur still focusing on healthcare and improving the efficiency, the safety, the quality of healthcare, have more value-based care. We need that. Healthcare itself is under a tremendous threat, whether it's private or public sector. And it's one of those big determinants of environmental health, of lack of sustainability with all the use of disposables and plastics and all that. 
That aside, there's so much that can be done to improve healthcare, not only for primary prevention, but what we call secondary prevention, which is screening, early detection of disease, and also tertiary prevention, which is once you've got a disease, how can you prevent it from getting worse? So that's fine. But the other two areas that I would focus on as a public health kind of perspective in the world of innovation and entrepreneurship is, number one, it's health protection. We've just gone through a pandemic, and this has shone a light on what is public health and when it can go wrong and when it can go right. But there's tremendous potential in using AI and blockchain and all these other wearables and so on to be able to detect outbreaks early, to detect new threats to detect the impact of, let's say, a natural disaster, a heat wave, and so on, its impact on a community. There's so much opportunity there, even supply chain, delivering vaccines, supplies to an earthquake region, and so on. There's so much opportunity there. And then the third one is health improvement, which is, again, eating an apple a day. Again, there's tremendous opportunity, and I think our audience knows this one really well in how we can use wearables, smart homes, smart communities, but even other simple non-technical approaches to improving health and well-being, which would be better education in early life, better access to food, better access to walkways, footpaths, instead of high-speed motorways or (laughs) high-traffic areas in our communities. So I'll pause there. I think the world is going to be looking good with more and more mission-driven entrepreneurs, but the challenges are going to be there. And I would say two or three areas that we should be focusing on, and I'll leave it there. Number one, without a doubt, as I mentioned at the top, let's focus on workforce well-being, whether it's in healthcare or elsewhere. If we can focus on that in any sector, we can improve population health. So that's number one. Everyone's going through a tough time right now, so let's help them out. Number two, issues with the environment. We're going to see more and more issues going on, whether it's something that we caused or whether it's natural, there's something going on there and it's indirectly or directly impacting our health. So let's focus on that as we look forward. And then thirdly, again, this is a public health threat. Apart from chronic diseases, which are coming back and they've been aggravated by the pandemic, something that we're sometimes forgetting and keep getting our eye off that ball is these antibiotics, these antiviral drugs that have been saving us and allowing us to do all these operations Over the next few decades, they may stop working if we keep using them irresponsibly. So let's focus on antimicrobial resistance and come up with solutions, even perhaps with AI, that can target that. So you're telling me there's a lot of opportunity at hand as well for our entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs to go and solve for these much needed areas within our societies moving forward. I love it. What a great way to frame it up and to show the true magnitude of the opportunity. Again, we said it earlier. We can do good and do well, and there's plenty of opportunity to go and tackle. So thank you for that. But of course, we also want to talk about the opportunity to help you out as well, Beirut, in regards to our community, have some amazing, amazing leaders rallied around this podcast. And so with that, what's one problem, need, or question that you have that our community can be helping you with? I really appreciate it, Mike. I mean, number one, please, please go out and help me raise some money for charity and spread the word of public health. So Startup Therapy, it's on Amazon. It's also on my website, entrepreneurs.doctor forward slash books. I put that out there. But really, I'd love to share this, actually. So we talk about this could be debatable, but I think many of us agree on this topic of value-based health and care. How can we do things in the health system that 
not only focused on improving the health of our patients and indeed the population at large, but also do it in a efficient, cost-effective way. You know, it's, we're not all living in unlimited resources, unfortunately. So value-based care. So a lot of the focus in healthcare, as you know, Mike, has been on paying for activity, paying per clinic visit and so on. And now we're starting to shift that focus on paying for outcomes. Now let's think about innovation and entrepreneurship. Sector reports, right? All these industry reports are focused on, we raised X billion pounds for startups. We did this, that, the other. And I mentioned this recently. I love that. I want some of that cash for the kind of work that I want to be doing. That's not a problem. However, let's also measure the outcomes. Are these startups that are raising all this money eventually leading on to create solutions that make an impact? Yes or no? Secondly, in these industry reports, let's include those pages. Let's include at least one infographic to say, hey, success story. This startup did this. It led to so-and-so outcomes. So I would urge anyone in the audience, if you've got case studies of this, either include them in the industry reports or approach me. Let's talk about it. Let's share that. I love it. You never know. There might be some people out there that are building technologies to help quantify and measure that, right? Because it's important, right? This is a very heated market in regards to investment. We've never seen this kind of money being plowed into healthcare innovation, health technology innovation. But at the end of the day, that's great. But what's on the other side of that coin? And it should be, of course, measured in outcomes in moving the health of our populations forward. So anybody out there working on that, don't be shy. Reach out to Barry's. I know he's very passionate about what are the outcomes of the innovations being built. But if they want to get a hold of you, Beirut, to talk about that, we need to get, you know, understand where we can find you online. What are some contact points, social media handles, websites, or otherwise? How can we find you online? Keep it simple. The easiest way is just my website, which is entrepreneurs with an S dot doctor. Easy enough. I mean, you made it easy right there. It'll be in our the episode notes. You just simply scroll down in your favorite podcast player to find that link. Also, we'll link over to Barry's LinkedIn and Twitter page as well. Of course, you can always find over on our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com those contact points as well as an area to leave comments, feedback, suggestions, or otherwise for Beirut and his team, again, over at passionatepioneers.com. All right, we got one more and then we're going to get you out of here, Beirut. I know that we have a little bit of a time differential. You call in all the way from one of my favorite places on earth, the UK and just outside of London. I cannot wait to get back. And when I do, I have so many friends, you included, to come and visit over there in the UK. But before we get you out of here, my friend, I have a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because? Ooh, I love that question. I'm a passionate pioneer because I care about the end goal. Anything that I do has one end goal in mind, and that's population health. I love it. End goal is very important. And of course, that was a thread throughout today's conversation. So, Beirut, thank you so much. It was uh, such an honor and a joy, a privilege to have you on the podcast. I've been waiting for this conversation for some time. So thank you for taking a pit stop to be on our podcast. Thank you for everything that you're doing to continue to push the health of our communities forward. But for now, thanks again for being with us today. You're a star, Mike, and I look forward to meeting you in person. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. 
This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 